Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me today in studio, and I, I don't even know, like this this seems so weird, man. It's like it's either you're here or Ricardo's here, Brandon. But Brandon Stevens, welcome. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Jeremy. What's up? What's up, everybody? Yeah, that's. it's like we're just swapping in and out. Tag team partner right here. To uh, summertime, man. Yeah. Weather, the weather's fine. You guys don't want to be in studio. I wouldn't say that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's been chaotic, yeah, to say the yeah, least. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, yeah, man. And while, while Ricardo's not here, Brandon, I do want to thank him. Him and my Aunt Gina and my Uncle Dave and Aunt Teresa and number of cousins have been helping out like crazy with my so my downstairs i had like a a guy renting it out for like 10 years and then he moved out uh in may and left like glued puzzles to the wall like 65 of them yeah just the weirdest just the weirdest thing to do to someone's rental and like almost like one of those things you would think why would almost unthinkable yeah so anyway, they've like helped me completely redo yeah, the place. Been, like I every mean, every yeah, waking, the best always. yeah, every waking uh, weekend or sure. extra time, they're Uncle, Uncle Dave and Ricardo especially have been Top down here like people, crazy. Man. So top notch people. Absolutely, man. I appreciate them. Uh, so just want to hopefully Ricardo actually listens to this podcast. He can get get his flowers. So. I feel like I feel like Ricardo listens to the podcast. I think he does too. I think he does too. So. Um, yeah, he got. He actually was on his way and got caught up in traffic. He may be here in time for for our uh, our post interview uh, little segment, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, Brandon, it's been like I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, man. This week, I know that. Well, you got the the Cap City three on three coming up. Mm. Yeah, and, we got uh, our three on three basketball tournament. That'll be fun, man. Know. Yeah, my, uh, my little dude's playing, but I'm gonna get get back in the uh, yeah on the uh, court and play a little bit this year. I'm gonna play in the elite division with my old Ooh. ass man. I'm 41 now, and I just I didn't really want to do it, but someone asked. I said fine. I can't, can't say wait, no, bro. I'm gonna be out there just. I'm gonna take probably an ass whooping, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be out there roasting you, bro. Uh, uh, going to be hard. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. And then what your uh, your older son Ryder's about to blast off for Japan on a yeah. Uh, what a foreign exchange student trip? Uh, no, nah, right? yeah, he's just going on a student tour, and it's just one of those things where I just wanted to um, just provide opportunities for you know my kids that I didn't really have when I was younger. So I feel like yeah. you know traveling, especially he's kind of at this like coming of age time where he's like really starting to figure himself out in the world, and everything's happening so fast. So I just figure like experiencing cultures and traveling by yourself. This is probably going to be, you know, a big, um, big part of growing, you know, and he'll can or he can make tremendous growth in this time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That'd no, be cool, that's man. Exciting, man. Shout out. I mean, to I wish I could. I'm jealous, dude. Yeah, no, no doubt. I went man. to the uh, currency exchange yesterday and I got him eighty three thousand dollars <laughs> in Japanese yen. Eighty three thousand yen. Yep. Nice, nice. Which is about six hundred dollars U.S. Um, that's cool. So oh, that'll be fun for him. Man. I know. I was looking at the itinerary. He's going to basically go from one end of the country to the other. So that's cool. Shout out to all the uh, Live to Walk Again listeners in Japan. I know we have a big following out there. I don't really we're, know that. We're global, sure. dude. Yeah, we're we global. are global. There's no doubt. I know it, man. Uh, Five stars are better. Hey, yeah. please do 
remember to like and subscribe to our podcast Please. and rate and review us on Spotify, um, Apple Podcast, share it wherever you're listening. Yeah. Uh, those are probably the two primary spots you're probably grabbing it from, but definitely check us out and share share the share the love. We, we need that. We appreciate you all. Um, yeah, Brandon. This week's guest uh, is a young lady named Diane Vitkis. Uh, she's out in Boston. She actually is uh, friends with fr- uh, Stefan Gelly, who we had on the show friend a while back, friend of the podcast. And he was actually at her house when we were recording oh, the interview. That's funny. She said, that's so, yeah, cool. it was pretty cool. Um, so shout out to him, too. But, yeah, she's got a hell of a story, man. Like, she was a, a surgical physician's assistant. Mm. Um Got, basically got up on her roof i'm not going to tell the whole story had a fall uh you know has just like really been you know she's been able to do like the the nerve re- uh regenerating redirecting oh yeah yeah uh thing with uh procedure that they've we've talked about before on the show and she's got some some good grasp on her for her hands now yeah which is great um you know she talks a lot about like the uh kind of the mental toll that this injury takes Mm. as far as like she got hurt she's like i'm gonna be back Mm. operating in no time and like she has been able to remain as a physician's assistant and now she's just working and battling with the realities yeah now instead of being a surgical physician's assistant she's working in like mental health uh, the mental health side of it. So yeah. that, which probably, you know, um, we talked about a little bit about that too, that that's probably a big help for her to be able to kind of, you know, showing other people the tools it takes to cope with different things mm. probably helps her as well. So, um, yeah, just an incredible, incredible young lady. Um, I had a great time talking with her and, uh, yeah, let's, let's get to the interview and, uh, we'll be back on the other side. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, I am super excited to have on Diane Vitkis. Uh, She is a physician's assistant specializing in psychiatry, uh, an ambassador for Wings for Life and Help Hope Live. And she's an adaptive athlete and also a spinal cord injury survivor. Diane, welcome to the show. I'm so, so glad to, to get you on. Hi, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah, excited no. to be there. Yeah, this is a this is a blast. I'm I'm so glad we could make this work. Um, you know, so for anybody that doesn't know your story, and I was like reading through kind of some interviews that you've done and like some local uh, news coverage there in Boston, like hearing about your story, I I was blown away. But can you tell everybody kind of about how you suffered a spinal cord injury? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was. Um, three years ago this July. So I'm having like around whenever July hits, like you really start to feel it. Um, just getting in your feels and, and thinking about the life you once had. Um, but it was three years ago, um, July of 2020, July 19th. And I was living in Syracuse, New York at the time. Um, that's, I'm from that area, uh, and grew up like 30 minutes outside Syracuse. Um, and I was working as a physician assistant in surgery, living with my best friend, 
loving life, you know, as a 27-year-old. Um, one day after work, I just looked out the window, saw the sunset, wanted to get a better view. Uh, went up on my rooftop like I had done plenty of times before. Um, watched the sunset. Wasn't even that good of a sunset. Um, so not worth it. But on the way down, I just slipped and fell off the ladder. And it was just like, a, I, I've tried to relive it in my head so many times. Of like, how could it, like, how did that happen? Like, I'm, I'm an athletic person. I'm a coordinated person. Like, how did I just slip? But um, as, as I've, over the past three years, you know, it's just like a fluke thing. And so many of people who suffer spinal cord injury, I think go through the same thing of like, how, like how the heck could have this happened? Like it, it wasn't even like, wasn't even doing anything crazy or like just jumping in the water or anything like that. Um, so you've kind of come to terms with, you know, like accidents happen and you still gotta keep living and make the best of the hand that you're dealt kind of thing. So, um, I spent a, a, a month in the ICU in Syracuse and then transferred to Spalding Rehabilitation Center in Boston. Uh, it's kind of looking at a diff couple different rehab places. Um, there's a chain Atlanta and Boston. Those are like really, um, you know, nationally ranked rehab facilities. So I chose Boston because I had a bunch of friends here. I knew I'd have a great support system, um, which to me has always been something that like really um I value a lot is just like having that community having support having great friends um so I had a lot of college friends in the area high school friends in the area so I knew I had had that especially with COVID because um you know I wasn't able to have many visitors everything was very you know shut down during COVID um so I came to Boston spent two months in the uh rehab facility at Spalding um moved across the street thinking it was just gonna be temporary and i'm still here three years later so no, that no that's that's um yeah that's great that you're able to stay so close to the the rehab facility and stuff um do you are you still working out there or do you i know you work with uh, uh journey forward is that what it is the yeah 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 so that's down in canton it's about an hour from the city um but it's a amazing rehab facility um it's like a paralysis gym i would describe it so um the people that are working there are, are like specialists in um spinal cord injury recovery uh, they're not pts ot's um a lot of them like it's amazing experience and they do such incredible work a lot of them go on to become pts um but you know they're able to kind of not covered by insurance. So they kind of are able to push you in ways that um, PTs are limited in um, just because of the rules and regulations of hospitals and insurance. So I love it. There you go like three hours every Friday. Wish I could go more, but it's just, no, that, that's there's not as much time in the day living with a spinal cord injury. <laughs> that's so, so true. So true. Um, yeah, so going back to when the the accident happens and you slip off of the ladder, um, you know, you, do you have your cell phone with you? Like, how do you get from? And are you do you like fall down onto like your back deck or like where are you? Where do you land? And then like you know, how do you get help at that point? But you know, how do you get to the hospital and everything? Yeah, so I was by myself. Um, my roommate was a um away for the weekend um normally like 
I don't know, maybe she would have come up with me or whatever, or I wouldn't have even gone. Um, so when I fell, I fell, I landed on my back um, and my shoulder hurt right away. Uh, so I was just kind of like, oh, that's going to hurt in the morning. Thought I was going to land that one. Like, I remember kind of falling, but just like for a split second being like, oh, I'll land on my feet. You just, you know, like, and um, it was about 12 feet. Uh, landed on my back, shoulder hurt, like took a breath. I was like, you know, that's definitely going to hurt in the morning. I hope I didn't break anything. And went to get up because nothing else hurt. Like I didn't have pain anywhere else because obviously I broke my neck. So um, from my chest down, like about just above my like nipple line, I would say, um, I couldn't feel anything. I could move my arms. I've, I've was very lucky and never lost my triceps, even though I'm a C6. Um, any C6 um, individuals don't have their triceps. Uh, so I was able to move my arms, but I couldn't find my phone. My watch that I wear all the time was charging in my apartment, so I didn't have that. And so, you know, I think about this a lot too, just, you know, if I wasn't moving around trying to find my phone, like, would I be an incomplete versus a complete? Did I make it worse? Like, you know, you hear, and I know, like, coming from medical background, like, don't move if you think you broke your neck, you know, like you got to stabilize that. Like you don't want to make anything worse, but I was just like, I need help. And I, you know, kind of was flailing around. And then as soon as I kind of realized, I like, okay, Diane, like you can't move too bad. You're just going to have to start yelling for help because I can't find my phone. Oh. I think I was ended up like laying on top of it. So even when I was like calling for Siri, like it was so muffled. So you couldn't, couldn't hear it. And I, couldn't feel that I was laying on anything. Um, so eventually it was in a stairwell. So uh, in about like nine o'clock at night. So people were coming in and out. So I kind of just waited till I heard like a door open and then started yelling for help. Um, I would say it was probably like 30 minutes. Um, I like remain very calm. Like, you know, exactly what happened. You, you know, you're paralyzed when it happens. It's not like there's like that much confusion. If you're like alert and oriented, I didn't hit my head or anything. I didn't lose consciousness. Uh, so right away, I just like, I'm, my life is never going to be the same. I know I'm not going home tonight. Not sure when I'm going to see my apartment again. All right. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I'm going to need surgery. This is going to be a long road. Got to call my boss. Like thinking of all the things that like, what's going to happen next? Like, what are the next steps? Um, right. And it was scary too, because I'd, I'd performed the surgery that I was like going to go be getting. So like I, and I worked in surgery. So I would take people like, like through the ER, bring them down to the operating room, scrub in, you know, get them all set up for surgery like that. I was on the other side of it. So um I think it was a good and bad thing that I had all that background. It made me a little less overwhelmed, less scared because I, I knew what was going to be happening to me. Um, and did they take you to the same hospital that you worked at? No, they did not. Um, but it was all those hospitals. It's like five minutes away. So as soon as, you know, I was laying there for about 30 minutes, then someone came, uh, called 911 and then 911 was there in like five minutes. So, um, I think I was probably from like the fall to the start of my surgery was probably an hour, um, maybe a little over, but it was very fast. You, know, you hear stories that 
people are there for like six hours, 12 hours. I'm just like, I can't even imagine laying there for like longer than I had to. Uh, but it was honestly kind of nice too, because you could process it all. Like it wasn't so chaotic. I had a minute to kind of like breathe and just like, like think about what was going to happen versus like if, you know, everyone stormed around me and everyone saw me and like, there was just like chaos. Like it was relatively calm environment. Um, so, and I don't know, I, I hang on to those like small, those small wins. Cause you got to, like, it was a good environment. I didn't have to wait that long. Like it could have been a lot worse. Right. Um, I feel lucky for all, all those, like just little minute um, obstacles that, yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely a good way to look at it for sure. Uh, so, so you spend, you said a month in the ICU, um, in Syracuse and then are able to get out and go to rehab in Boston. Um, you know, coming, and so you said you spent two months there in Boston? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, transitioning out, like, I mean, that must have been a lot because, like, you're, you're an adult, you're established, you're, you know, in Syracuse, and then, you know, basically transitioning your whole life to Boston and, and, you know, getting everything set up there. I mean, that must have been kind of a lot of stress, um, trying to deal with all that while, because I, I mean, we all know how, how grueling rehab can be. Um, so what, you know, what is that process like for you? Like, um, you know, was it difficult to kind of get all your stuff brought down or what? I mean, you know, what, what's the process like for you transitioning out of the hospital and kind of into the the real world um, dealing with this injury? It was really hard. Um, it was, yeah, thinking back, like, I hope that was the hardest year of my life. You know, I hope I don't have any, any other challenges like that. I mean, I like a good challenge, but not like that. Um, it just the whole transition. Um, my parents were amazing. My family was amazing. Community really like supported me and had helped me get back on my feet, figuratively speaking. Yeah. Um, my, so my dad did a bunch of like the apartment searching for me. Um, cause I knew I wanted to stay in Boston like temporarily so I could get outpatient rehab. Um, right. so he helped like find an apartment. My uncle actually had just passed away like a month before, um, my injury who was, was like a second dad to me, like super, super close with him. Um, and so my parents were like in the process of, cleaning out his house and, you know, dealing with what he left behind. So I actually just took a lot of his furniture that was in his house and was able to bring it to my parents, like rented a U-Haul and, you know, brought it all in. So then when I got out of rehab, um, I came right here and it was, you know, they, it was already furnished essentially because um, they, they're just so good at that. Um, they don't, they don't mind driving. It's, it's far, but it's doable. It's like five and a half hours from Syracuse, six hours. Um, and they've, you know, went to college in Rhode Island. So they're used to that drive. And, um, so they, they came back and forth quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, getting just, you know, I, th I thought I was like, 
when you first get injured, they tell you six months to a year recovery, two years is like when you plateau. So I'm like, all right, I'll be back to work in a year. No big deal. I just got to get my hands back. And then maybe like, if I can't walk, I can at least maybe use some sort of like standing frame and still operate. Like that's where my head was at. I was like still committed that I could operate. Um, but my hands never really came back. I, I ended up getting a nerve transfer surgery, but, um, right after my friends, I made a schedule essentially, um, cause finding PCAs and, um, learning how to, how to hire someone to help you. Uh, I think I was in just super denial that I was going to need that. And I just didn't, I didn't want to need that. So it's like, if I can just, you know, get the, these next two months, maybe in two months, like I'll be able to dress myself and like get myself out of bed and like do all the things I need to do on my own. So I won't have to hire a PCA. Um, and so I had friends coming and staying with me every night for the first like two months. Uh, I would never spend tonight alone. So that was amazing. And then I realized that I was going to need a PCA um, because my friends were doing it all for me. Uh, it would stay like anywhere between like two days to a week and they would help me like get dressed and like do everything I needed to do. They, two of my friends that came, I hadn't like showered in like a disgusting amount of time. And <laughs> they like helped me get in the shower and like, I, but I, I, it was just like, it was the first shower I'd like, well, like wash my hair and everything shower um, that I had in a really long time. And, and it, it, like, I have those, those like just really great memories of my friends just coming and supporting me and just helping me like now, you know, it's hard now still, but I know how to live this life, but I wouldn't have been able to kind of do it without them lifting me up and, and just like pushing me along until I could do it myself. Well, Eventually, amazing. I did find a PCA, and then now I have someone helping me every morning because I've just come to realize that, you know, I, of course I would like to be independent, but um, there's so much other things in the day that I want to accomplish. So, in terms of efficiency and time management, it's just like not. I would have to get up at like four in the morning because it did take me like an hour just to get dressed, and another two hours just to shower. Whereas like my PCA comes, we can bang everything out in 45 minutes. So, and then I can do other things during the day and, and I can get back to work and I can socialize and I'm not just like being stubborn because I want to get dressed on my own. You know? Right. Right. No, I completely, <laughs> completely understand. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, that's amazing that your friends were able and, and like having to be, you know, five and a half hours away from like your, your parents and your, your family or whatnot um beyond and being able to have that that still have like such a good um you know network of people that are are able to help you and willing to help you is is huge you know so yeah um, I'm, I'm trying to like i think i just think community is so important especially in the spinal cord injury like community <laughs> um and because every spinal cord injury is so different and you can have the same break like C6 and present completely different sensation is like all over the place. Some people have spasms, some people don't, some people have tone, you know, and so just like the, the knowledge sharing that 
is that happens when you get everyone together and like sharing your experiences and um I mean what you're doing here even like someone someone's going to hear something that um might work for them that they never thought of before like all the people that you're talking to and sharing those stories um so now I've, I've kind of you know realized how important that is and and want to you know somehow try to like keep that going because people are still getting hurt unfortunately and yeah. um they need like mentors to there's no there's no framework there's no path that like one person takes you know um or is recommended because no one even knows what works oh. essentially <laughs> so true so, so true uh yeah that's no that's very well said i i completely agree um you know so diane you so you come out of the hospital after after this um you have friends helping you all these things um at what point do you decide like i'm getting back to work and i'm gonna have to just change to you know from being a surgical physician's assistant to uh, a physician's assistant specializing in psychiatry and do you have to get another degree for that or are you able to just transition over somehow I don't know yeah good works. question um so luckily no I don't have to get another degree so the I mean the great thing about physician assistant is you can really go into any specialty and, and you can switch specialties um and don't need to like go back for further training or I mean there's like a lot of continued learning um right. credits that you need to do anyway so um when I switched over to psych I just basically like pretended like I was working I was work I'm working part-time but the first couple months pretended like I was working full-time just so I could touch up on my psych skills and like psych medications and all that. Um, so did a lot of like continued learning courses, but really it's just mostly on the job training. Um, so it took a while for me. I mean, I think I knew it right away. I mean, my hands didn't come back the first like couple of weeks, even in the ICU, they're like surgery went great. And like, you know, hopefully you'll be moving a couple of toes in a few days. And then it's like, I didn't move any toes. Like they would come check in, check in, check in. Any movement? Can you feel this? Can you feel that? Can you move this? Can you move that? And I was like, no, no, still no, still no. Um, and so when that happens for two months and then they slowly stop coming, you you kind of, you understand right. where your future is going. Um, not that I'm ever going to stop working to get anything back, but some people if you sh if you show signs of recovery early on you have a better long-term prognosis I would think mm -hmm. I mean I've gathered and I don't know um so just I kind of slowly accepted and understood that even like I don't think I really said it out loud or really started looking for jobs until a year and a half but um, I knew I wasn't going to go back to Syracuse. I knew I had to stay in Boston. So that played into, well, I can't go back to my old job. Um, my hands aren't coming back. No one in Boston is going to hire me as a surgical PA. Like who, they don't even know me. I would only have to go back to Syracuse. Probably like they would let me work again if I could manage it, but 
so you just I'm slowly starting to piece things together and like okay well where where do I see myself what other specialty could I possibly go into um, but I've always valued mental health I think it's so important um, I think everyone should have a counselor um, especially with this injury too you know there's a lot of dark days and so many dark days having and... being able to kind of you know I mean with, with your profession being able to kind of navigate those waters i guess is probably even you know probably helpful for yourself as well as for for your patients so definitely yeah um, um you mentioned you had tried uh nerve rerouting or nerve replacement um one of those surgeries um did was that something you tried before you were like i'm not getting enough back in my hands to be able to go back to um, or was that something like the, like a, a last kind of ditch effort to try to, to go back to being a um, physician assistant? Yeah, I think I knew it was going to be a long process, but I think my rationale behind that was I'm not seeing any return right now. I think this is my, my, yeah, my last thing I could do to get something back and like hope for grip. Um, however, like when I started going through that process, um, the best like that is out there that's available is, you know, I can open and close my hands now, but I can't move individual fingers. It's only like, they all move at the same time. Um, and like same with this hand. So, um, it, I mean that I could not do that before. I'm like, I love it, but, um, it's not enough for me to, you know, like hold the instruments that I would need to hold. Um, I still like, can't even put my hair up. So uh, it's helped in a lot of ways, but going through the process, it needed to happen. You know, they do a nerve conduction study, see what muscles are still firing, uh, see what nerves are still firing. Uh, and then based on that information, they can come up with a plan of, of nerve transfers or rerouting or tendon transfer or reconstruction and see what the options are. There's so many different options depending on what the nerve conduction study uh, shows. So for me, it was really important that uh, I needed to get it done within like the first year. So between that six and nine months, I had to make a decision whether I'm going to do this or not, because this is my time window. And if I go beyond this, then it's going to be too late. And so it's either now or never kind of thing. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. and they don't worry about, or I mean, maybe they just didn't say anything, but they don't worry about, like you mentioned earlier, like they say kind of after about two years, you kind of plateau with spinal cord injuries. Like, were they worried that doing this procedure within six to nine months that that was going to um, negatively impact that in any way or that time frame, or, or any recovery that you might get naturally or? Um, yeah. Um like I hate that time window because I feel like I'm I'm beyond two years and I'm still making improvements. Yeah, but exactly. My actually my my fingers um, on my right hand, my pinky and my ring finger started to flicker a little bit and move before I got the surgery, and that was a really hard decision. I had already gotten the left hand done, so I was like, do I wait? Do I just not do the right hand and see what I get back naturally because it's still so early? hasn't even been a year yet who knows what I could get back and I'm starting to move some fingers so like maybe there's a possibility I I mean there's times where I still think about that like was this even a good idea should I have just 
the waited to see if like my right hand would have recovered naturally. Um, but again, based on the studies that were done on my nerves and muscles, it was looking like that was probably all I was going to get, but you never know. I mean, maybe I made the bad decision and I would have had a fully functioning right hand, but that's, that's the, the one of the hardest parts of spinal cord injury. It's like, again, there's no, there's no guarantee um, that what you're doing is actually going to work. Like you could be going to the gym every day and doing therapy every freaking day. And there's no guarantee that you're, you're going to walk. Like when I first got injured, I was like, I'm a hard worker. Like I will go in the gym every day. I'm like, no problem. I can get over this because, you know, I'm determined to, but there's only so much determination that it's willpower can get you a long way, but your spinal cord is like too broken or too chaotic. Like there's, it's beyond your control. Yeah. And it's important like for people to know, it's like, Oh, I know somebody who has a spinal cord injury and they were able to walk again. Like, how come you can't walk? It's like, well, these, all these injuries are so di- I mean, yeah, there's seriously, there's not two that are the same. So it's, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, crazy crazy stuff but uh yeah um so i'm glad you talked about the the, i didn't realize that you had had the nerve rerouting so i'm glad that we could talk a little bit and what what was the recovery time like for that um because you said you did the one (laughs) so nerves i mean nerves grow so slowly and re-innervate so slowly so it actually took almost 10 months for me to even see anything so it was a very long waiting game and at like six months, I got really discouraged and was like, this is a mistake. Like I should have just waited to see what I got on my own. Um, but then it's, they started coming and that was really fun to see. Cause then I could actually start opening and closing my hands. Like I had nothing. I could use tenodesis and that's it. Um, and now it's just like, <laughs> it's a little thing. Voluntarily, voluntarily being able to open and close your hand is just like, it's so cool to watch that like your hands actually working, you know, one day, hopefully my leg will do that. And I'll just like, just watch it open and close. Um, because, uh, you just, you stare at your muscles not working for so long you want them to work. Um, so that was really fun to see. Uh, and now, um, so after, after about nine months after the surgery, I started to see some, some hand finger function. Um, but my, um, my hand still like, because of how, um, just the transfer work, my fingers kind of hyperextend like that. So then you go back and you do another surgery. Um, so they don't hyperextend. So now I've done this one on the left and I still have to do the surgery on the right to prevent oh. the extension um I and then see. open straight up like that okay um uh. so it's still like it's still going on um it's a it's a long process right that's, that's what you do for yeah for, for your fans absolutely um, but yeah still yeah, still so- even yeah yeah no that's that's great like it's that's very cool to see you being able to open your you know as a c6 being able to open and close your hands that's that's very very cool i'm i'm happy for you so thank you thank you um 
Yeah, you know, and I, I know I read that you um played division one lacrosse uh in college and uh you know I've always wondered because like we've had a few guys that were professional um dirt bike riders, um professional like mountain bikers, things like that, um, or just like some college athletes. And it seems like that mindset really helps them with their recovery and like getting through the rehab process. Like they're able to just kind of compartmentalize things and just push themselves to the limit. Um, imagining that was probably a similar, you know, process for you, but, you know, talk a little bit about how you think maybe, um, that your, your history as an athlete and, and also playing in, in college, like that, that, I mean, that I feel like that sets you apart, like from, you know, just, being able to get to college and get a, you know, uh, play division one, anything is, is pretty impressive. So you have to have kind of a different mindset, I think. So, yeah. um, yeah, talk a little bit about how that maybe helped in your recovery process up to uh, this point. Yeah. Thank you for that. And it was, it was huge. I mean, I think just like having sport in my life, um, being athletic, having a team, I was always like on team sports, soccer, lacrosse, um and I think just it's like it ingrains something in you that you know how to work hard you know how to push your body beyond like its limits um you, you learn about just healthy eating and your body is a temple right um you gotta take care of it you learn that just even like going through run tests, you know, and, and getting stronger each year and getting faster each year. Um, having a spinal cord injury kind of takes you back and like, it's a slow process, just like becoming an athlete is, you know, every year you get better, every year you get stronger. Um, so I, I kind of treat it like that. Uh, I knew, I knew how to work hard. I knew how to like push through and just like get, the workout done I know um and it just also helps my mentality too like my my mental health um getting those endorphins going uh and just being able to like have a cardiovascular exercise routine it's harder now because I can't you know we don't get our heart rate up as fast we don't I miss just feeling the sweat on my face after a long run or just like being completely like out of breath, exhausted. It's weird. I don't know about you, but I, I like can't, I can't get to that point as easily as I, as I could. I work out all the time, but it's not like a, it's just different. Like we don't sweat anymore. We don't, are not able to like get our heart rate up and really have that, um, that feeling of just like, utter exhaustion my muscles hurt a lot like when I'm working out my muscles get fatigued but in terms of like cardiovascularly uh it's a different it's a different type of experience and yeah I I completely concur yeah I I have the same yeah same issue so it's like yeah you can work you work your muscles until they're just aching but it's like yeah it's so hard to get that that uh cardiovascular like I want to be winded and just like, you know, out of breath from, from working out, but it's so hard to, to kind of accomplish that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know, I wanted to talk though, a little bit about your, uh, like talk, staying on kind of the, uh, 
um, sports topic. Like, I know you've tried a few adaptive sports. I know um, I watched the, I guess, the trailer for uh, the movie. This is not yeah. a dream with uh, you doing some sailing. And then yeah, I saw watching. Yeah, yeah. No, that was awesome. And then I, I know you've done some uh, like adaptive rock climbing and even uh, like got together with a company that makes a, a chair that makes it possible for people with spinal cord injuries to kind of go hiking. So yeah, um, I just like wanted to try everything. Um, yeah, Because, you know, getting outside and like, just enjoying the nature again like just helps like my mind so much um and I'm like still like craving that like what is going to get my heart rate up cycling um I really like that fatigues my muscles like crazy um I love sailing just for it's like the thrill of it and something new I never sailed before so uh, I grew up on a lake like my mom always wanted me to take sailing lessons growing up and I was not interested at all. And then I become paralyzed and I like, love it. Um, so, but for me, it's like getting on the water and being able to enjoy that, um, is something that's really special to me. Um, grew up on the lake, always boating. And now just like getting in a boat, it's, it's really tough and there's not really an easy way to do it. And I don't want like my friends or family to feel like, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable um, and just be worrying about me. So having an accessible boat that I can go on with ease and the people on there like are used to like helping individuals with uh, or paralysis or any disability in a wheelchair. That's, that's got to be huge. That's got to be huge by itself. Just like having the confidence that these people aren't going to screw up and drop you in the water or something right yeah I remember the first time I was on the impossible dream it so it comes to Boston the impossible dream is this like 60 foot catamaran and um they they're it's an amazing nonprofit organization in the winter they're they're docked to Miami and then um you know they start in June and make their way up the east coast stopping at ports along the way specifically to take people out with disabilities and have them experience the water and um, just universal access. Uh, and so it usually, as it makes its way up the East coast, it's usually here in Boston in July. So the first summer, um, after my injury, I had known about it cause I had saw it on Instagram and was, I was like, that would be so cool to get on that boat. And then it was in Boston. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I had an opportunity to get on. And, um, it, it was an amazing night. I still remember it clearly. Um, and they, we just did a, a cruise around the harbor. Um, and that was kind of, actually, I think that might've been like one of the first times even I was on the water. Uh, and they, you know, for a catamaran, there's a net like in the, at the top, um, in the front. And, um, they were like, do you want to, do you want to get on there? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? How am I going to get on there? Like, we'll just pick you up. We can put you on there. No big deal. And it was such like a you know, non-issue. Um, and they weren't worried once I was on there and it was just like, yeah, no big deal. We'll just, we'll get you on. We'll get you off. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, and it's just to be surrounded by people like that is, is rare. Just that, that, you know, they're not, I, I get both sides. Like I do have, 
perspective on both sides because probably before my injury I would have been really like nervous about you know hurting someone or things like that but um they're so familiar with it they realize that if you're you know safe and having good communication you're not going to get injured and if you do you'll figure it out then too and you can't live life just like sitting and being scared and like locked away in your like room all the time just because you have an injury um and getting out and like being surrounded by people like that and getting out on the water uh just like I don't know it, it helps with the depression it helps with just like you know having to sit with how hard your life is all usually and like all the time so like yeah. having a moment like that having a night like that the first summer after my injury um it was I'll like never forget it and have been in close contact with them ever since and now yeah making this documentary uh which is that's so cool when does uh do you know when the documentary is actually coming out so we're gonna, I'm gonna do training with them in July um I still have a lot more learning to do in terms of sailing uh and then next april we're doing a race from miami to um an island right outside mexico uh so the documentary will probably be out like next next year sometime and okay. year. that's very cool so so you've tried the sailing you've done um you know biking or cycling and um mm -hmm. the the rock climbing and like wh what's been your favorite uh sport to to participate in so far of the um, adaptive stuff that you've tried yeah so i recently i mean sailing is definitely up there um but i recently did mountain biking in montana and that i loved uh so i went to montana uh, a couple weeks ago for this program called empower spinal cord injury okay um, and they do it's a residential program it's usually in stony brook long island we stay in the dorms um and it's really tailored to people that are newly injured, but it can be from, you know, we, this past year, there was someone there that was 10 years out. So um, more catered to newly injured, but it never really loses its value the, the more, um, like, I guess, the more you live with the spinal cord injury, the more years you live with the spinal cord injury. Um, and it it focuses on trying to have people regain independence um allow them to experience the the joys of life and like let them know that it's like things are still possible you can still be happy you can still be independent just because you have this injury anyway so it's usually in Stony Brook Long Island this is the 11th year it'll be there but they have moved it out also to Montana. And this is the third year it's been offered in Montana. So I went out there um, a couple weeks ago and we did mountain biking and that was so fun. Um, it had a little like e-power assist, which was definitely necessary. Uh, I've, I I've seen those. Yeah, I've seen those bikes before. They're very, those are very cool. Oh, so cool. I'm glad so, you got to go check that have out. Have you ever done mountain biking? I've I have not. Okay, so when you do, Try the Nuke. It's like, it's a really nice bike. If you ever have the opportunity, the Nuke with a power assist. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And I mean, I like hand cycling too, but mountain biking, there's something different about it. You know, really I like bet. getting on the trails and 
just like being in the middle of the woods um it's just like refreshing and and nothing else but hearing birds and like cracking of of branches is that's so cool peaceful that sounds amazing it really does um yeah so you know i know you've done you know you've been injured for a few years just short of three years now um you know and you've done a really good job of documenting kind of your your journey since then on your on your social media accounts and um you know what was that difficult for you to kind of start documenting that and like you know putting yourself out there um to be willing to to be so vulnerable for for everyone to see you know what what you're going through yeah thanks for acknowledging that it it was really hard and I feel like um a lot of people share this um it's it's difficult to not be embarrassed and ashamed when this happens um and to let people in and show your most vulnerable side my I created my Instagram because I had so much community support um and I wanted and I you know for a while I had a trach um I was talking with a letter board I couldn't use my phone so there was no way for me really to like just show my appreciation to everyone that was helping me and and like keep them updated so I created it like privately um would only like accept people that I knew had helped me out sent me a card or flowers or anything like that um and just slowly like shared some pictures gave some updates uh and then I mean it took a little while um I I, like my, my family too was kind of pressuring me to do this and be like I wanted to but um they're like, we got to show people, we got to give updates. We got to like show people like how you're doing, how you're progressing. And, you know, people just care. They just want to know. They just, you know, they really care about you. They love you. Um, and it, it was really scary to like let people into that at first. Um, but then once I opened it up to like a private, or I mean a public account, um, it, it helped me a lot too because I then connect could could connect to those people versus getting their number, writing a text. I couldn't I can't really write. So like I used to be like a big thank you note person and would write like handwritten thank you notes. But if I had to do that, one for everyone that has helped me, it would be a lot too. Like it takes me like a half an hour just to write one like birthday card. So um it's so like I have to like hold the pen like a little kid and I write in all caps and it like literally turns out like four-year-old did it um and I had such good penmanship before Uh so it it helped me because then I could connect to them I could just send them a dm be like thank you so much or you know and and then it we like then had a lot of interactions and um allowed me to connect to the people that were helping me um and then I it kind of like has just slowly evolved to whatever it has been and um then I started sharing videos of of my progress and then realizing well maybe someone else there sees that and wants to try that with with their therapist they see me doing it 
maybe their therapist hadn't thought of that. And now they can, they can go back to their therapist and say, let's try this. Let's try X, Y, and Z. Um, so it's a lot of problem solving, which I also, when I first got injured, didn't realize, you know, there's no roadmap. Physical therapists don't have all the answers, unfortunately, they wish they did too, but um, it's not a guarantee like you do this and you're going to get this result. It's a ton of problem solving. Okay. Your body does this. So we got to do this. You're, you have long legs. So you might have to transfer differently this way. You have to put your head that way when you turn and to lift your butt, you really have to get over to your knees, but not over too far that you're just going to fall out of your chair and crumble to the ground. Right. Um, and so, and I also saw other people's Instagram and that helped me so much. Yeah. Um, so it's constantly like, it's constantly a give and take and like being able to accept the help, but then return the favor to someone else um, is kind of how I've been living. Cause um, it's hard to accept help. It's really hard. Um, but I, I allow, I'm able to allow myself now to accept it. If I know I'm somehow, even if it's not giving it back to that direct person, I'm I'm paying it forward some some way else. No, that that's that's amazing. That's really great that that you're uh yeah the you know you're willing because that that's the thing. It's like I feel you know I got injured in 1998. So there was barely an internet when I got hurt. So especially mm-hmm. then there was no social media at that time. So there wasn't like a, a people like a group of people you could go find on uh online yeah. at that time and so um i i mean i think it's so great that that people who are newly injured now kind of have that you know if they go pursue it they you, you, there's a community a pre-built community of mm-hmm. of other folks dealing with this that you know is right there for you so that's that's really awesome that you're contributing to that and that you found some some help from it as well when you were newly injured so um that's that's incredible but yeah you know i only have a couple of questions left for you here diane i know we've you know i've been I've probably taken up enough of your time today oh, but oh uh, no this is great i'm I'm really enjoying it too but um you know i know that you so we know a lot about um you know we've had quite a few wings for life ambassadors on the show uh over the years but you're also uh, an ambassador for hope help help hope live sorry i'm gonna screw that up uh what what exactly does help hope live do and kind of how how did you get involved with that yeah so when i first got injured my parents of course took to the internet um tried to find just like any resources out there and advice help on what to do what next steps um went to the christopher reeve foundation uh amazing organization uh, and on their website listed help hope live. Um, it's basically like a medical GoFundMe. Um, it, but better, um, it creates this, once you create a campaign page, it helps you fundraise, um, for your recovery. You can send the bills directly to them and they'll just pay the bills. Um, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit, so you're not taxed on this every dollar that someone contributes is going to be used somehow for your recovery. Um, and then also they post it on their website. They post it, you know, try to campaign. So people that, you know, I don't even know um, could find my story on my help hope or on help hope live page. Um, 
read about it and opt to, you know, help me with, with my therapy, um, costs and things like that, uh, equipment, wheelchairs, doctor's appointments, co-pays. Um, and so in that way, it's a lot different than GoFundMe. Um, you know, that's a lump sum. You can get tax on that. Um, and then you're trying to figure out where that money is going versus they really, it's, they're amazing. And like the, the customer service that they have, uh, you know, especially the first few years trying to figure out all the costs. Um, I was constantly on the phone with them, you know, just like sending in bills and like have, it, it was just like another support system too, another community. Um, I then have gotten connected with other ambassadors from Hope Hope Live. Um, it's, it's not just spinal cord injuries too. It's traumatic injuries. Um, uh, like a lot of, um, transplant patients, um, will need a lot of funding so they can, um, help with that. So any really fundraising that you need to do, if you, you can create a, um, help Hope Live campaign page and they can kind of kick kickstart that for you and really provide that support for you nice nice we'll uh, definitely uh link them in the show notes as well yeah, so people can awesome. check them out uh and then like i guess how did you get uh involved kind of same story for wings wings for life uh getting involved with them yeah that one um that one just like happened by fate um i was struggling the first six months, um, living on my own, then, you know, dust had kind of settled. Friends weren't there all the time anymore. Still had a lot of friends coming over, but wasn't like sleeping over every night. Um, began having, you know, strangers help me. Um, and so I was at a pretty low point. Um, I wasn't, when you're that way, you're not actively, it's hard to actively seek out help once you've hit that point. Um, I think, and so, but because I had my, uh, Instagram page, people were like, Hey, you should talk to this person. You should talk to that person. This person's going through this. And I got a lot of that. I didn't, um, follow through with all of them, but, um, one of my old, uh, high school teammates, husband reached out to me and was like, Hey, I know this guy from wings for life or buds. Like, let me connect you guys. Like, I think you know, he would be great to just talk to. Name's Aaron Baker, um, huge uh, board member and ambassador for Spinal or for Wings for Life. And that conversation really changed a lot for me. Um, like I said, I, I was just, I was depressed and getting kind of hopeless. Um, six months. I was like, I'm not seeing any return. I should see some return by now. And there's nothing. Um, I'm working my ass off and getting nothing. I felt like um, probably my therapist would say otherwise, like I was getting some stuff back. But right. for me, like, it wasn't huge. I wasn't walking yet. You know, like I wasn't where I thought I would be. Um, yeah. And that just talking with Aaron, um, learning about Wings for Life, learning about all the research uh, that is out there, it just gave me like the hope that I needed, um, hope for the future, hope for just something better, um, hope that I'm not going to be like stuck like this forever. Um, but also just talking to him, like 
If I am, it's going to be okay. Um, he's paralyzed and has an amazing life. Um, you still can have an amazing life. Uh, I think you need to like kind of mourn your old one a little bit. Yeah. And it's still okay to mourn your old one. Um, I think I always will. But you just have to keep going and create something new and still find joy and have hope that you never know what technology is going to bring. Just keep working your tail off. So when technology is there, your body's going to be ready for it kind of thing. Um, and yeah, ever since then, I've been um, connected with them. And their their whole mission too is like finding a cure. And I don't know, cure can mean a lot of different things to different people, depending on how you define it. Um, cure to me is just like a better quality of life. Um, better, whatever yeah. better means, you know, but. We um, just, uh, we had a guy on from, from England uh, named Paul Allen a couple of weeks ago. And he um, was talking about how he saw a poll that was, you know, like the five things that like walking again was one of them, but like oh, yeah. that, that came in fifth on the list for it was like, study. Yeah. 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 Like there's like bowel and bladder control, sexual function, like all these different things. And that, function. Yeah. Yeah. That were way more important. Yeah. Cause like me, yeah. And I talked about that too on the, on that same podcast. I was like, you know, if I could just have, yeah, like full use of my upper body, like I would be in heaven. You know? Be an animal. Yeah. <laughs> I would be so happy like that would be incredible but yeah so it's yeah I think it's like like different I'm sure it's, and I'm sure maybe folks that are paraplegics or it's like no I want to walk again you know so right I just want to stand up right. you know yeah right so, so yeah something and, like for me it's like hand function or like if I could stand up what that could bring me like if I could stand up and give someone a hug stand up in the shower like I would be overjoyed like that would be I mean, it's it, it's not a home run cure, but it's a softball pitch, you know, um, and, and I'll take that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, shoot, Diane Vickis, I appreciate you so much coming on the, the show and, and, you know, sharing your story with everyone. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I can't thank you enough. And, and you know, it was an amazing story and and we'll definitely uh yeah, you know, hopefully we can can keep in touch and and yeah. you know give people updates on your what what you got going on down the Definitely. road away. Definitely, yeah. I'll keep posting on my Instagram. But thank you so much. This is I love your podcast. You're doing like amazing things for the whole community. So I appreciate you and thank and you so much you know, letting, letting uh, people share their story. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, give everybody your uh, Instagram, and and I don't, I'm not sure if you have a Facebook, but you can give whatever your social. Yeah, are. it's a uh, Viddy's Voyage. My uh, my nickname in college was Viddy because my last name is Vitkus, okay. so it's V I T T Y S Voyage. Uh, I do have a Facebook, but I don't really go on there too much. I need okay. to, I need to go on there more. But yeah, you can follow me on either. All right. Well, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll link your your Instagram in with the with the show notes as well. And yeah, I I can't thank you enough uh, for for coming on and being so open with us. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks for sure. All right. That was Diane Vidkis. Um, appreciate her taking the time out to to come on the show and tell her story. I always I'm always impressed, man. Like, there's never been somebody that's come on the show that's like had a bad story you know like 
all of these stories are unique and like I think probably help people that are dealing with this injury like like I get something out of all of these well, you know what I mean I've been injured for 25 years so I mean a bad story no but and they're all bad I mean, stories bad I guess stories, yeah. but helpful you're right yeah. everybody's been super helpful and she was a gem she was very just open and available to talk and uh gave us more than we could have asked for um of, of her story and the the realities of um recovery and the struggles of you know mental health and all that all that stuff yeah i'm yeah i was blown away by her um you know when she when we got into the conversation brandon about the uh different adaptive sports that she's tried like she's tried so i mean like the mountain biking thing in montana sounds mm. freaking amazing yeah um she's having sailing yeah this year that like from and, and you know florida to mexico or something no well she, the um i'm blanking on the name of the of the ship um that she that she's been able to work on or that been able to kind of train on but um yeah if it goes for it, i think it's docked in florida in the in the uh winter and then goes up the coast up the east coast in the summer so um and stopping at these you know different ports along the way to mm. to help train people and get get folks that um are dealing with disabilities out on the water which is so cool but um you know i feel like I would be terrified of that. Um, but Damn, she talks about, she talks about like, Hey, you know, like it, it was so nice. These people like all know what to do. And they're like, no, we can get you. Like they got her out on the net, like on a catamaran type thing, basically. And she's just like, it was the most like freeing experience mm. and all this stuff. And I bet it has to be, I bet you it has to have, um, feel, I bet you it has to feel real good to be able to, get back out there and do some things that are a challenge that uh you know that you most likely may have not even done before if it wasn't for this experience right i mean those those adventures may or may not have been an opportunity prior right exactly exactly so i i thought that was a a super cool story that she was you know doing all these amazing things that that personally i want to do yeah exactly and they're making a documentary film uh including her as one of one of the um interview or you know like uh, focuses of the documentary of her working with these folks Mm -hmm. and the documentary is going to be called this is not a dream Mm. uh so keep an eye out for that i think she said next year 2024 yeah um yeah and i mean that just seems cool but like her whole message of like you know yeah i'm gonna try stuff now like i'm gonna put myself in position to try these different things and that's gotta i mean mentally that's gotta just like be so freeing Hmm. because i i think i feel like i've put myself in a little bit of a box like over the like side i haven't flown anywhere like i talked i actually just interviewed um, our guest for next week um, who's a travel agent or I'm sorry, not a travel agent, a travel expert. Uh, and she, you know, we talked about this new Delta seat that's going to be going in and it's like, yeah, you, I could go 
places, but Whoa. I'm a big ass dude. Yeah. And like, that's going to be like just a lot to have people lift me people. Cause like these airlines, the airline people that help folks get in and out of these seats are not trained hmm. to work with people with spinal cord injuries or whatever stroke patients or whatever the case is that they're dealing with paralysis. So it's like, yeah, you're going to grab a six, four, 275 pound guy and just throw him on a seat. Like it's probably not going to happen too easily. Well, let's not make excuses, bro. I know. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm, I know, man. And I'm I, telling I just you, look bro, at some of like the uncomfortable positions, like some of our guests have put themselves in. It's true. Um, God, I need to quit being a pussy, man. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that, man. I mean, I know it, I can't imagine uh, what what it would take, but yeah, it's it's doable. Your 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 only limitations are you know your your thoughts right now, man. It's true, man. I need so to. We, if there's a if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, if it's um, you know setting up service on the other side, and it's like, yeah, it's a yeah. fucking lot to do. Right. Yeah, I get it. But is it possible? It is. Anything's yeah. possible. Yeah, it's probably it probably is possible. It's not impossible, or else people wouldn't have done it already. Right. Yeah, it's or, not impossible. Or it I like was that. like um, it was like Ed Milet said, and I think we talked about this on the podcast before. If you can't say it's impossible if it's happened. Yeah. So like when something happens and you say that's impossible, it's like no, it's not. That shit just happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So. Yeah. Um. Ready to, I'm ready to try some new things, I think. Brian. Well, yeah. I'm getting motivated. I like that, man. I like that. Motivated. One of the things that really, like, hit me for you guys, man, that that brought me some gratitude as an able-bodied person was um, the, like, the desire to just, like, raise your heart rate and sweat. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, how would Jay do that? Like, how, what would you have to do, man? Like, we'd have to just, you'd have to just fucking pump your arm as hard as you can for, like, and I do that. Yeah. Like, I try doing that. And but it's, it's like, you still, okay, it's not the same, you it's know? Not it's same. not the same. Um, Bro, I, I, and I do, man. And I do, and I do crave that a lot. Yeah. You know, I do. So, yeah, it's crazy, man. I, those yeah, are just those little things that, that we don't really think about. And I've, I'm going to have, you know, a moment of gratitude personally, but that doesn't help you. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Um, it's funny because I did get one of those like hand bike things. It's like I know yeah, yeah. like a lot of people have like the e stem ones that are all like super like made to be worked for people with spinal cord injuries or disabilities. But um, I just got like one of the ones you put under the like it's like basically like a pedal one. Um, but I hooked my little uh, uh, able hands things onto it and just like went to town, man. And uh, I do that every once in a while, but it's just like it's still it's not the same. You nah. can't get you can't get that same. Uh, it doesn't raise the endorphins same. the same. Yeah, I mean, raise the heart rate the same. Just or, yeah, it's the heart rate and the yeah, and like she said, you know, you can't sweat. Like when you have a spinal cord injury, you like don't sweat anymore. Well, you either, can go sit your ass weird. out in the sun, but it ain't gonna be like right. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, man, I, I I had a great time talking to Diane. Just uh, sure. an amazing woman. Like, I mean, and I felt like it was more like just a conversation. Yeah, it was a know? great conversation. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't one of those conversations where you have to pull and pry things out of people. No. Like just an open book. 
No, no, and she uh, she also is a uh, another one of our uh, illustrious guests who is a Wings for Life yeah. and Red Bull Got Wings for Life ambassador. Man. So, um, congratulations on that. I actually reached out to the guy that she said, um, Aaron baker maybe who uh was like a friend of a friend and he's the one that got her into being uh, a red bull ambassador um so i reached out to him to see about coming on the show he's like a, a motocross guy that got injured in 99 and uh so hopefully we can get him him on the show as well to talk a little more about wings for life oh for sure but, yeah for sure. so anyway I mean, well what i what i think jeremy and this is like a production meeting happening right here and yeah. on online pulling the uh, curtain back pulling the curtain back is i i honestly think that uh because now we've i mean 166 episodes yep my man tries to do one like every week so you're looking <laughs> at like we're going on four years at least right yeah <laughs> like you should revisit some of these old episodes man of of uh people that you've had on there and by revisit i mean like have them back on no oh. re-release them man because oh yeah i know oftentimes when i'm listening to a podcast um the they're you know some of their classic episodes man and some of yeah. their guests have gone on to do like cool things and you can you know highlight that and say hey yeah we had this person on the podcast but like because it's hard for someone to fish through 166 episodes right. of a podcast absolutely when each one's an hour long no, absolutely, absolutely. Or um, you could just listen to our podcast for like six days straight without sleeping. Yeah, just do that. No, it's uh, yeah, and we have done that a little bit in the past. Like when we don't release an episode one week, um, I'll try to put out an. Old, I think you old should, episode. man. Yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, there's some good ones out there. I mean, I think they're all good if you ask me, but well, nobody's every, asking. I mean, me. everyone can't be good. It's just the honest truth about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean we've never there. we've never had a, a bad guest. I guess is the yeah no 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 not the guest man shows, like maybe the show just sucked right we've had we've had bad shows not bad guests I get it yeah that's a that's a good uh good good meeting B all right well uh, if you guys could like rate listen share review all that good stuff we would appreciate it five follow, star follow the live the walk again only on um, Instagram and on Facebook and live to walk. And then number one on Twitter. I need to get TikTok. Yeah, We need to get TikTok popping here. Um, so, yeah, I'm too old for TikTok. Bro. I don't think I, so, man. I can't deal with it. Um, it just, anyway, it's all time, dude. Check check out our old episodes. Brandon just told you they're all, they're, they're all good gems guests. In there. There's some, some gems for sure. I mean, we've got uh, professional mountain bike riders. We've got grammy award-winning band members uh the list really goes on man yep yep man we might be getting uh eric hawk back on the, he might be coming to the studio to do an episode oh man he's coming through the town so, yeah we're uh, working on that so anyway uh that's enough of me babbling on we will be back next week with uh charlotte from chicago the travel expert to talk about uh you know accessible traveling and I like that. Uh, yeah so she she was a great guest and we will talk to you all next week thanks so much